Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet for wiener. Oh, listen, Liberty, it's a feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire, barbecue, and grilling-related items. Breaking news, not breaking news, allegedly reporting news, and other such shenanigans. Still to come on this show this evening, we'll be talking with Mark Puente from Puente's Tijuana Tacos. Located here in the greater Cleveland area. Boing. After Mark, we'll be talking with Greg Dr. Flame Meyer, who is a lead scientist in the research and development portion over at Kingsford Charcoal. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch for a live video feed. Also, slash RD Rempe on YouTube for a live video feed if you prefer that. We are also live audibly on Clubhouse, although I'm getting various reports that there's actually no sound in Clubhouse. Not sure how that can be. I see when I talk that my little face is bebopping around, but evidently that's not working. I don't know. Is that the case? Let's get a quick feedback. I'm inviting Rick Galindo on stage. I don't know Rick. I'm also foregoing my promotion of the best of here, but that's fine. Uh, Lance Owens is saying, Lance, by the way, I have to bid you a personal apology for whatever reason when I have you on and only you. I call you Lance Owen. That's not right. It's Owens. It's plural. There's more than one of you. It's Lance Owens. I apologize. I should be calling everybody by their correct name. Joe, I'm inviting you on stage in the clubhouses. Please accept my request. I want to test something out here. Then we can make sure that we're all on track. So once I see him pop up, all right, now let's see. Joe, are you there? Hmm, interesting. He's there. But there is no sound. I got a great idea. You know what I want to do? Closing the room. Boom. Sorry. Now, because it has already come to pass, make a new title. 
Barbecue Central Show room. And we'll start. Here we go. Let's see if that works. Unmute. Well, it looks like it's the same for me again, but who knows? At least it's fine for people watching on the live video streams. And I know it's recording, so at worst, everybody can get it back on podcast. Hey, by the way, talking about podcasting, you can get an ad-free podcast feed experience through two different places, Patreon or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Patreon's at the page, patreon.com slash Show. Or if you are an Apple Podcast user, find the show, and then there is a way you can subscribe to an ad-free experience right through the show. There's a little banner. Click on that, and away you go. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, this week's best moments show featuring one of my favorite competition pitmasters of all time. By the way, sound now working on Clubhouse. Great. One of my favorite competition pitmasters of all time. By the way, this took place April 17th of 2015, so seven years ago. The pitmaster of pigskin barbecue, Scott Nelson. At that time, Scott was fresh off of a win at a contest that was benefiting Operation Barbecue Relief that previous weekend leading into the show that Tuesday. Of all the pitmasters slash guests that I have had on this show and all the ones that have come and all the ones that have gone, Scott is one that I really miss. I really miss Scotty. Great guy, great family, a really great competition cook when he was out there doing it. The guy was winning a, a ass load. I remember specifically going out to the second Kingsford Invitational that was in Bell, Missouri, is that it? Or the Kingsford plant? The middle of nowhere. God even forgot that he made somewhere like that. That's how in the middle of nowhere it was. And he was one of a small handful of teams that was invited at the time to take part in the Kingsford Invitational. Lisa Cookston was out there with the Azus, who eventually won the whole competition. But Pigskin was there. Lucky's Q was there. Uh, the couple that come to my mind but Scott and his wife Katie and they had his sons were all there we took some really cool pictures and they had me around the camp it was wonderful it was so wonderful I just loved it when they were all out there and it was great having him on the show so if you're not familiar with Scott and the type of guy he was you're really going to enjoy the best moments show this Friday which will be in the feed right there in the morning so Scotty what's up Hope you, Katie, and the men's are doing well. Don't forget, if you have a guest or a past segment that you would like to hear again that's in the archive, just email John, J-O-N, John, at com and let him know what you would like to hear, and he'll do his best to meet your expectation. So just to follow up on some thermostatically controlled grill talk also, to follow up on something that I might have mentioned to Derek Riches last week about things that I was going to follow up on because I had context that maybe he or uh, that he had or that I had that maybe he did not have. And this was specifically relating to the Charbroil Cruise. 
he had mentioned that in items that he was going to be talking about or that he was seeing being talked about at the 2022 HPBA Expo out there in Atlanta. So I reached out to my contact over at Winter Products, who is the company that's manufacturing that grill for Charbroil. Although it's not their brain, it's Charbroil's brain, but they're manufacturing the grill, if you're following me. And uh, he wrote to me, we've shipped a bunch of crews already. I'm not sure what the delay is in hitting stores. I do know that most of the mass retail locations like Lowe's, Home Depot, etc. were relatively late setting up this year. Why? What are you waiting for? Spring's still coming. Grilling season, still coming. He goes on. Next Grill also has a thermostatically controlled grill that you can see on the Home Depot Canada website, but I've yet to see it at retail or anywhere in the U.S. as well. We're not seeing any supply chain-related issue for ourselves as we're able to pre-purchase material and components for this production season. The only supply chain-related issues we've seen have been logistically related, i.e. container space, shipping line space, but nothing in terms of products themselves. I will tell you that we are seeing a lot of slowdown across most factories at the China level in terms of orders and pipeline for the second, third quarter. We believe it's a combination of retailers being full on inventory already, most retailers pulling forward their purchases to before Chinese New Year, some doubt on demand after the economy opens up and consumers start diverting their spending to travel, entertainment, etc. And finally, general impact of retail price changes due to rising product costs, logistics costs, and general inflation overall. I would also add that uh, China's locking down once more. COVID. That's probably going to... Now, I think from when this email was sent to me by the guy at Winter versus when I was seeing portions of China, if not all of China, shutting down again. I don't know where that timeline coincided, but that might have been just after I'd got the email from my source. So... That also is probably going to play an issue, at least in production. I know how that works. For me, you take a day off, production gets pushed out, you're taking multiple days off or weeks off. That's not going to help the production schedule. So that's the update on the cruise from my guy at Winter Product. Now, as far as his mention of Next Grill, I have reached out and had conversations with them today. I've also shared, it's called the Nevo, N-E-E-V-O. You can check, uh, take a look at that. I've posted it on all of my social media. The unique thing about the Nevo, as we work to have some type of a segment with them, it's a gas grill on one side, and what's on the other side? Side burner, wood fireplace something other than that oh no it's the item that you always wanted to have integrated with your gas grill an air fryer barbecue uh, i'm sorry not barbecue but radio broadcast hall of famer jimmy malone is doing backflips 98.9 percent of you have no idea who i'm talking about because he's a local cleveland legend this is a guy who loves to air fry steaks and is not bashful talking about it. So he has to be doing backflips about it. 
All right, Mark Puente is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I will talk to you about Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today, a choice line and a prime line. Choice is the Daniel Boone size. Really good for that medium-sized family if you're not going to be hosting a ton of people, but it gets the job done, no doubt about it. Save you some money, too, because it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Now, if you want bells and whistles, Prime Line, Peak and Ledge. Peak is the big one. Ledge is the comparable Daniel Boone size on the Choice Line. However, more of a robust build on the chassis because it's a Prime. You got Peak and Windows on the main cooking chamber and pellet hopper. It's got two internal meat probes. It also has Wi-Fi connectivity and app controllability. All that fun stuff that we talked about in the first hour. Only sold through dealers, so find one near you, GreenMountainGrills.com. Find that dealer, visit the dealer, get educated by the one that best fits your need. I can tell you that between the Peak, Ledge, and the Daniel Boone, all of them accommodate the pizza oven insert. So if you're really into high-heat pizza ovens and doing those style pizzas like the Neopies, that's something you're going to want to pick up as a almost mandatory accessory, that pizza oven insert. GreenMountainGrills.com also has a bunch of other great stuff on the website, pellets, sauces, other accessories to complete the Green Mountain Grill cooking experience. Head over there and check it all out, GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We are back with Mark Quente right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Smithfield. Head on over to smithfield.com right now for recipes as well as tips and tricks from well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth, Jess Priles, Charles Cridland. With mouthwatering flavor and no artificial ingredients, Smithfield Fresh Pork, quite simply some of the finest pork money can buy and a trusted choice of top cooks for use at competitions and at home. That's smithfield.com. Kicking off the second hour tonight is a gentleman with a very diverse background, as we had talked about in the lead of the show. Diverse enough where if we wanted to, we could take the whole segment to talk about that and not food. But that's nonsense. We've teased Mexican flavors on the show a time or two. There's a favorite dish of mine that we'll discuss maybe at the end of the segment. But what about real Mexican street tacos? And more importantly, where does the love of live fire aspect bring into that arena? Here to discuss that and more is the first-time guest and local Clevelander here. The owner of Puente's Tijuana Tacos, Mark Puente, joining me. Hey, Mark. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you joining me here this evening. As I had mentioned in the open here, and then, uh, of course, in the first hour, we could probably talk the next 20 minutes about the background of Mark Puente, Sands Food. Of course, we won't do that, but you have a pretty amazing and diverse background. So let's start, I guess, you graduate high school. Are you somebody that's looking to go to college? Are you looking to get a job right out of uh, out of high school? Let's start there and then potentially work into food. Uh, at high school, I'm uh, my last my senior year. I dated my girlfriend then, who's my wife now. She graduated a year after me. Within 13 months, we had three kids, twins, and another one uh, son. Wow. I got into trucking. Uh, it paid well. 
fed my family for uh, many years. It, it was a rough life being gone for uh, many weeks at a time on the road, but uh, I wanted better. Uh, I wanted to go to college. I just could never do it. So my wife uh, basically enrolled me at Cleveland State, told me quit complaining, go sign up for classes. I did. My time was going to law school, but that didn't. I figured it'd be, it'd be too tough on our family financially. So we ended up moving to North Carolina. Uh, I transferred to UNC Chapel Hill. My intent was to go to law school, but uh, I knew that when we couldn't do it financially. So I ended up uh, landing in journalism. There was, there was an ad in the student paper that said reporters wanted. Luckily, the Plain Dealer newspaper in Cleveland uh, offered me an internship. I knock on wood a few weeks into it. They hired me full time. <laughs> I worked hard. My career kind of took off, got some attention from other newspapers across the country. And for uh, the next 16 years, we bounced around the country in between Cleveland, Florida, Baltimore, and Los Angeles. Now I'm back in Cleveland. But during that time, since I, ever since I was a young man, 19, 20, I think I bought my first grill. Probably 13 or 14 years ago, I got into meat smoking. From there, it took off. And then uh, I started on the Weber Smoky Mountain. Then I got a, a green egg. And then I got a Lang. I got a double XL green egg. But now I have a taco business, which incorporates uh, my love of grilling uh, to serve tacos to our customers. So, so you it, is, it is a diverse background. It's much different than most people's. Not to spend too much time on it, but from a journalism standpoint, you know, some people will say, oh, well, uh, you know, Greg, you're the journalist of the live fire industry. And uh, I certainly uh, bow out of that. Uh, very humbled to be talked about in that regard, but I'm certainly no journalist. I'm barely a, a business major from Ohio University, let alone a journalist here. So you're somebody that's been Pulitzer Prize nominated twice. You've won numerous awards. You've done tremendous investigative work. Um, you know, for wherever you are that are listening here, the the I team for whatever news channel that you're. I mean, was that you, or was it like a deeper level of investigative journalism? Yeah, it was a pretty deep level. I did a high level work in Cleveland. A lot of the corruption stories years ago in in Florida. I did uncovered a lot of uh, lacking, a lot of government mis misspending, a lot of government malfeasance. In Baltimore, I did a lot of government malfeasance there. It was high-level investigative work, working on investigative teams. In Los Angeles, I was a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize in 2020 when 34 divers perished in a, a, a vessel wow. on Labor Day weekend 2019. So it was high-level. I, I had fun, uh, but I decided to get out of it. But that time in California is what inf is what led me here to whatever I'm at now, and it's influenced my hobbies, which is uh, meat smoking and grilling. Through those investigations... Were you ever threatened or did you ever fear for your life? I was threatened a lot of times, but I just kind of took it with a grain of salt. I didn't think anybody would be that foolish enough to do something because all eyes were on them. I did pay attention, but luckily my children at the time were all grown and gone or, or in college or on their own. So just my wife and myself. So we kind of paid attention, but uh, it didn't deter me from doing my job. Mark Puente joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, is Puente's. TijuanaTacos.com if you want to check it out here while we're talking. So you actually come to me as a recommendation from good friend of this show and Barbecue Hall of Famer, Ray Lampy. So how do you meet Ray and what's your relationship like? I knew of Ray when I was working at the Tampa Bay Times, which was then the St. Petersburg Times because he was in St. Petersburg. And I there was a story about him in the paper in the food section. So I picked up one of his books and then I realized he was a truck driver. So that kind of drew my attention to him. Hey, he was a trucker. I was a trucker. So I ended up following some of his stuff, bought the big green egg, talked to him a few times and we, we talked occasionally. And, uh, that's what led him to you. He tasted my tacos last year before I moved from Florida to back to Cleveland. When I did do a pop-up for friends during the pandemic back in August of 20. 
He was obviously taken with those tacos. I mean, Ray's, uh, you know, a no-holds-barred kind of guy. He said he enjoyed them. He His only critique was that I was filling them too much. I took that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, of course. You can't fill – you don't want to fill a taco not too much because then you feel like you right. might be getting gypped. Uh, so the passion for tacos comes in your time in L.A., and do you take it when you're moving um, – I guess you went from L.A. to, to – Florida and then up to Cleveland. Is that the trek? That's correct. I developed, I found a, a certain style of cooking. I went to taco stands every day for lunch on the weekends. We stopped at them. And what I found was a certain style of taco making called Tijuana style, which is the proteins are grilled hot and fast over mesquite charcoal, which I, I kind of fell in love with because of the grilling and the live fire cooking. And I knew all about lump charcoal and then nothing against taco making on griddles, but it's a distinct flavor that comes off that grill compared to frying it on a griddle. So I really enjoyed that. So I asked my wife, hey, do you mind if I buy all the commercial equipment when we move back to Florida to get it? And she said, yeah, I didn't think at the time she knew that that included 110 40-pound bags of charcoal. So it was like 4,400 pounds of charcoal that I put in the nose of a tractor trailer, but that's the key to the taco. So I'm, I'm still working on that pile, but eventually I'll need to get more from California. And that's the only source of this. I, to be honest, I think I'm pretty well versed in the industry and I have my finger on the pulse of a lot of all the fuels. I've never really heard of mesquite charcoal specifically. Is that from a single source out there that you're getting it from? It comes out of Mexico. I, I never seen it anywhere east of California or really out from out west. I've never seen any of the charcoal stores or barbecue stores I've been to. There's lump, but not this mesquite coal. And what attracted me to it when I was walking downtown every day from the parking garage to the Los Angeles police headquarters, which I covered, you'd always see caterers cooking for TV shows or commercials. And I always stopped and asked them, hey, where's that charcoal at? It smells pretty good. So they showed it to me and I found out where to buy it at. So I went and uh, cut a deal with a broker so if I paid cash, how much could I buy in when I move? But it comes out of Mexico and it's not it's different than the lump that's sold in Cleveland at Restaurant Depot or Dean Supplier. Hmm. Um we're talking with Mark Puente, owner of Puente's Tijuana Tacos. So now that you are given the green light by the wife to go ahead and start this pop up, is it easy to get in business or did you stumble quite a bit getting your footing? For the it wasn't easy, but given that I covered government agencies and regulatory agencies for years in reporting, I knew how to navigate the waters. There was a lot of hurdles that I didn't realize I had to jump through to get, like a $900 three-compartment sink. Wasn't expecting that one, so I had to get that. But there's lots of rules, and I get it. Safe food safety is important, and, I want to, and I'm playing by the rules. But uh, it, it took a little bit amount of time. Luckily, I have family and friends that want to help. My youngest son encouraged me to move back, and he wanted to help with the taco. So he's out there as my uh, main griller for the events. You leave Florida. You come up to Cleveland. Is it a whole new set of rules up here in Cleveland versus Florida? Were there a lot of similarities? I mean, obviously, local stuff is going to be different from one place to the next. But from a high level, was it a lot the same? Pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. I didn't get licensed in Florida. I was just doing it friends for friends and family because the pandemic was still in its early stages. I didn't want to sink the money into. I didn't know where we were headed. But once I came back here, I went. I dove all in and licensed now for anywhere in Ohio. There's a benefit of living in Florida, Mark. I don't know if you realize it, but the weather seems to be really good all year round. However, in Cleveland, uh, as you well know, seven months out of the year, the winter is around us, or at least the cold weather is around us. So as you're attacking some kind of a business plan, is that something that you have to take into account? Or is it like it doesn't matter if it's 30 below or 80 degrees, we're going to do this taco thing? 
We haven't had a pop-up yet this year, but we had one in December out on the east side. It was cold, but there is a difference between grilling when it's 96 degrees and humid and serving tacos for four hours when everybody's drenched with sweat versus 33 degrees in Carhartt jackets. I'd rather do the 33 degrees in Carhartt jackets. Hmm. We're going to have a pop-up this Saturday, and it's going to be chilly, but the tacos will be hot. So from a, a pop-up business standpoint, are you doing essentially commercial gigs um, or, you know, something that I guess would be akin to a restaurant, but without the brick and mortar surroundings, or would you come and do a rempy house party or a graduation thing? Um, what's the business look like? All of the above. I'm booked now through uh, mid July. And I didn't know when I, you know, got all in and got all licensed, start advertising the, the money's in corporate events and private events. I, I don't have the, my calendar in front of me, but I probably have six or seven graduation parties for 100 to 150 people. I've been asked for other private parties, wedding rehearsals, baby showers. So anything like that, I'm willing to do. I can do it all. And, and the pop-ups are good. We're doing two events and public events because I want to get other people to, there to try and see it. So you, I got to balance it. I was talking to a guy that owns a barbecue trailer out in Utah, first segment in the first hour. We've been tracking him. I call it the podumentary. We check in with him every 90 days to see how it's going. We've been starting pretty much since he started getting going to open and track since then. Obviously, meat prices are all over the board these days. Are you also suffering through that? And have you had to adjust prices accordingly? I did. I raised the prices for this season because the beef isn't coming down. Chicken's coming down a little bit, but I'm paying attention each week. I'm buying beef, uh, chicken, and chorizo. So it's... I'm not buying, you know, ribeyes, stuff like that, but it's sirloin flap still isn't cheap. Mark, school me on the finer points of an authentic street taco. What makes it authentic? Based on what I picked up in California is the the Tijuana style. The meat is grilled hot and uh, fast, but it's marinated a certain way. And it took me some time to figure out how they do it in California that way. It, it's a certain seasoning. Uh, it's marinated overnight. But the key to the tacos are the one, the grilling. The two is the tortillas we make fresh on the spot. They're not coming out of a bag in a warehouse that was that were made six months ago in the state. They're made fresh on the spot, and the customers can see that in front of them. <laughs> People on my team, my friends and family, roll the balls, they press them, and then they go on and griddle, and they take a minute to cook. And it's, there's nothing better than a fresh tortilla on that flaming hot carne asada, chorizo, or chicken with all fresh salsas. So all the salsas, we do red salsa, salsa verde, guacamole salsa with cilantro, onions, and limes and radishes. That's it. There's no uh, cheese like Taco Bell or there's no uh, sour cream. A lot of people ask, do I do sour cream? I, I politely say, no, this is an authentic Tijuana style taco that comes from the West Coast or in Mexico. Does that ever cost you deals? People are like, oh, well, then I can't have you come out. No, but what I've encouraged them, if they want to have that for their customers, they're more than welcome to put it on the table and they can take it. Oh, or for their friends or yeah. relatives. So I had this great follow-up question when we were talking. Oh, uh, you had mentioned um, marinades and spices mm -hmm. and stuff. Is that all like Puente secret stuff or do you talk about that? It comes out of the West Coast. I'm not going <laughs> to say that. It seems this. like a See, lot of stuff say, is coming out of the West the Coast, Mark. Well, unfortunately it is, but I, I, it took me a while to go into County Sierras and all across Southern California. Give the number. I was a reporter. I asked lots of questions and paid attention. I realized where it came from and then I seen certain uh, boxes and boxes of, of a certain uh, juice that was sitting there and I, I realized what it was and I asked them, mm. what are you doing with that? And they says, that's the marinade. Then the light went off. It's that simple. Mm. 
Are you concerned at all that uh, a lot of stuff is coming from the West Coast and that you know shipping is going to continue to increase, or do you think any of the stuff that you're getting from the West Coast now will finally make its way to us here, or at least within the region? The stuff that I'm buying to marinate, I've already ordered it. I got it in the commissary kitchen in the cage that I rent. I'm not worried about that. Uh, right now, I've got about 48 bags of charcoal. I'm hoping that gets me to November by the time I go out there for a vacation. But when I do go out there, I'm going to order 300 more bags. Mm. I'm going to get it back here when I need it. But everything else out there uh, isn't a problem. I did get concerned late last fall when I couldn't find the certain masa that we use which I couldn't understand why, but then luckily I had relatives in uh, Michigan and my mother went hunting for it and they got it for me. We talk about business on the show from time to time, Mark, and I'm sure there are people in the audience right now that might be planning a food truck or perhaps a pop-up concept to launch the spring or summer. As you look back to when you were getting your footing, what are the best bits of advice you can give to someone looking to start out on this kind of a project? Know your product, know what's out there and I went in this kind of blind. I had no experience other than being a griller and an avid meat smoker. But I paid attention because of my career as a journalist asking questions. I did that all the time and I still do it. But my friends all laughed and joked when I told them I'm bringing all this taco stuff back. They said, oh, a taco's a taco. And I said, no, a taco's not a taco. Until they had it and then uh, they had egg on their face and they enjoyed it. And now they say it's the best taco. But uh, there's plenty of competition. I I, I don't, I'm not knocking how anybody else cooks their tacos, but our tacos are cooked a certain way that gives it a, a distinct flavor and taste. Part of being a successful pop-up or food truck or even restaurant is having the culinary wherewithal, having that expertise to produce the product that perhaps nobody else can around your area give you that competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. However, you can be a great cook, but if you suck as a business person, the business is going to go out of business, no matter how good of a cook you are. Did you have to learn how to be a good bookkeeper slash um, costing agent, or was that pretty second nature to you? It was second nature given my journalism because I'm OCD about records and tracking everything. So I have everything on spreadsheets for every cent I spend on the days, the mileage, everything. Oh. So I know today where I'm at financially, and I'll know after every event that I have. Something that has been somewhat of a lightning rod on this show for the past few years has been a dish that has been both loved by those that have tried it and scoffed at by those who think it is not traditional Mexican cuisine. So let me ask you, since you are the real expert here, someone who has lived in Cleveland for many years, but has also traveled around the country and been in authentic Mexican restaurants and eateries, is chori pollo a real Mexican dish, or is it something of an imposter? I honestly have no idea what it is other than some sort of chicken. It's not something I've ever seen on a menu in any Mexican restaurant I've been to. Don't you go to any Mexican restaurants here in Cleveland, Mark? Well, it's Come not on. something I'm going to order. <laughs> it's not something? It's not something that jumps in my mind. And My family's Hispanic. Let me entice you a little bit how about some grilled chicken thighs that are cut up and then some chorizo sausage and then some cheese and there's some rice and beans and then side of tortillas and you slam it all in there and you put it in your face one of my buddies over in san diego just laughed and laughed at me and said you realize that the people that own that place just put it on there as a joke and they laugh every time somebody orders it and i'm like well god damn it's delicious (laughs) 
I don't know why it's not on every Mexican restaurant ever. And he said it's not authentic. Now, much, much later, he tries it. Now, all of a sudden, it's on a menu item in one of the restaurants that he owns. And uh, people are emailing me all over the place. Are you averse to it? Or perhaps if I took you out, you would try it and give me your honest opinion. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. All right. But it's not something that I've ever. Maybe uh, it's going to be a new Mark Puente taco. Chori Pollo taco. Uh, what do you think? I'll make it for you if you show up with a tree <laughs> on the chicken. We're gonna put it on I'll the we'll put it on the permanent menu if it hits, right? Right. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, I'll give it I'll give it credit to you. If you are interested in coming to Cleveland, a, oh, you know what? Let me ask you uh, a question here. How far will you travel for a job? If the money's right, are there no bounds? We did a, an event from where we live at on the southwest side. It went down forty miles to Wooster, so the money was right. I, I got the, the crew together and we went. Will you go to so Evansville, Indiana? I'm not licensed there, so no. Oh, okay. So you'll travel where you're I go you're anywhere licensed. in Ohio. Got it. Right. All right. So if you're coming to Ohio, uh, do this, and you want some really great Mexican street tacos. Go to PuentesTijuanaTacos.com. See when the events are. Maybe I'll be there, too. We can all meet up and talk with Mark. It'll be a great time. Mark, really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh, opening up about your background and, of course, talking about this business. And I can't wait to hook up with you and try some of these tacos. Really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Come to the events next few weeks. The tacos are on me. I appreciate it. All right. There it is. Mark Puente from Puente's Tijuana Tacos. And again, the website is puentestijuanatacos.com. And of course, while we glossed over the journalism background, just uh, do a Google on Mark Puente and see what he's involved in and see the stories that he's dug out and brought to light. Very impressive. Uh, I dare I say, well, I'm sure the passion is tacos. Uh, the professional background is very impressive. So hopefully you enjoyed Mark. We're going to be back with Greg Meyer here in just a second. I hope. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers designing and building all of their products right here in the United States, building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America from pellet grills to wood-fired offset pits and charcoal grills. Consistent blue ribbon flavor has been synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and their team has developed some of the cookers to perform time... Not some of the time. Their team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade product's and defines the integrity of the core values, American-made quality, endless flavor, the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. Visit Yodersmokers.com to grab yours today. That's Yodersmokers.com. And we are hopefully back with Greg Meyer right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. 
You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Vortic Watch Company, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado, taking antique American pocket watches and turning them into uh, turning them into wrist watches. Each watch that they make is unique and one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled; it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com. That's VorticWatches.com. All right, helping me close the show tonight is someone who will be talking about flavor, perhaps in a way you didn't know about or aren't familiar with yet. But by the end of the segment, you'll have a new product to go investigate if it sparks your interest, of course. So let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome in a senior scientist from Kingsford Research and Development Arm. We race to the hotline and welcome in first-timer Greg the Flame Meyer. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going, Greg? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you making time. Do we not have video of you this evening? Just want to make sure. It <laughs> uh, looks like it's working on my end. Let me just try a different camera and see if I can get that to work. All right. Uh, while you fiddle around with that, um, and before we start talking about flavor-boosting products, let's go ahead oh. and get a little background on you as we see you right there uh where you grow up uh, what kind of professional background you have and where you're based at today sure yeah i grew up um in new england in the boston area um about 10 or 12 years ago i came out to california to go to grad school at the university of california santa barbara i got my uh, phd in chemistry there um i've always done something related to science in my career i've Worked at an environmental testing lab. I did a little time doing genetics research. Spent some time as a product developer for disinfectants. And then I made my way up to the Bay Area to Kingsford. So I'm living in Oakland and working in the East Bay now. By the way, go Gauchos. Yes, go Gauchos. Uh, So how long have you been on board with Kingsford? Uh, a little uh, over two years now, and for most of that time, I've been working on our new uh, Signature Flavors pro- uh, products. When you come to work for Kingsford, and obviously the parent company is Clorox, and they're huge. Is this mm-hmm. the biggest technical company that you have worked for at this point? Oh, yeah. Clorox is yeah. definitely the biggest technical company I've worked for. I've spent time, you know working at smaller, medium-sized labs. I guess you could say the university uh, would be a bigger institution, um, probably three times bigger than Clorox. But, you know, both are are really great companies and universities, lots of great technical resources, lots of great equipment. So I feel lucky to work for a place that's got all those resources available. When people think of Kingsford, they obviously think of that blue bag charcoal. Um, We might talk about that here towards the end of the segment. From your end of it, and you said you were spending the majority of the time here talking about the product we're going to talk about here in a second, but is it, uh, do you get to do a lot of cooking? Like, are you a fan of, of live fire? Or do you yes. not necessarily have to be, you know, uh, a guy that's going to be cooking in order to do what you do? So I, I actually sought out Kingsford because food has always been a passion of mine. I've always tried to find a way to get food related to my career. You know, I think kind of early in grad school, I realized that all the different things about chemistry, thermodynamics, all the tools and equipment, you really can apply to food too. So I got really interested in the science of food and cooking. And ever since then, I've been wanting to kind of get more involved in that. I think Kingsford is the perfect place to do that. 
when I started, I wasn't an expert in grilling, but you know, I've been doing it for two years for my job pretty much every day. So I've, I've gotten a lot better and it's really exciting. Greg Meyer joining me here on the show, Dr. Flame, if you will. So uh, am I late to the party here, Greg, or are the flavor booster products fairly new to the market? Yeah, they really are. You know, okay. it's really a, a really new product form, really new type of briquette. There are a couple products that you might be able to find that have tried adding flavors, but we think ours is, is really the way to go. And I can kind of explain that in more detail if you like. Yeah. So from a concept standpoint, is this something that corporate or, you know, some kind of a brainstorming trust says, you know, how can we get something new or, you know, is there a, a constant line of potentially concepted products that now are driven down to you to see if you can prove them out to something that would eventually get to market? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of a couple of those things. You know, we're, we're always starting with the consumer. We always want to know what they're excited about. We always want to know what they're interested in trying. We always want to kind of give them new experiences that's really going to kind of delight them. And so we look to um, big trends that are happening. Flavor has been a really big trend in a lot of industries. And um, that really applies to grilling as well. So we knew that it was something that we thought people would like. We always reach out to them to get their feedback on new ideas and new flavors. So we knew that this was a really good kernel of an idea. We're always trying to find new great ideas, but this one had a lot of um, support behind it from within Kingsford, but also you know grillers across the country who, who we reach out to and send surveys to. Um, and so once we knew that it was a really kind of promising idea, that's when it gets sent to me and, and R&D. And, and my job is really to work with the R&D team to figure out really what's possible technically. What can we make in our, in our lab? What can we make in our manufacturing facilities? What really delivers that flavor? You know, if we're going to call it signature flavor, it's got to really deliver. And so we make sure that the products um, really hit the mark. Um, and then once we feel really good about the product, then it gets um, into partnerships where we work with marketing and sales and, and our quality teams to kind of educate our customers like Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's, um, develop advertisements, really educate people about it. You know, this is a pretty new product. It's, it does something different than what's kind of common on the market. So we need to really let people know about it. And so R&D is involved somewhat in that process as well. When you get your hands on the concept to now prove, how long does it take for you from when you get your hands on it to something that can be taken to market? So it really varies a lot. I think for something like this, since it's so new to the industry and, and to Kingsford, you know, this has been in development for probably three to four years at this point. I got it when it was partway through that development process. Um, and so I've been working on it pretty closely for about two years now. Um, and, you know, that development process started where we were really testing lots of different ingredients and spices. We really needed to know what burns well when you put it on a grill and what doesn't. And so it's not always obvious. Um, I was surprised throughout the process that you can't just take a, a barbecue rub that might be on a, the shelf in a grocery store and throw that in a briquette and expect it to work. You really have to go through rounds of formulation to really design this for the heat that it would see in a grill. So for those that aren't watching live or accessing the video feed, I was just flashing the flavors that are currently out there. Uh, flavor boosters coming in the following options, onion, garlic, and paprika. The next bag is cumin chili, 
And the third bag mm-hmm. is basil, sage, and thyme. So perhaps you kind of answered this uh, a few minutes ago, but why these profiles versus something else? And are there future yeah. boosters in the wings? So the answer is yes, we are working on the next round, but I'm not going to reveal those flavors yet. Um, and, you know, these, these three flavors that we have now, it really comes down to um, what the consumer is excited about. These flavors are, um, you know, garlic, onion, paprika, a lot of these are classic barbecue flavors. Cumin chili, you think of like Mexican cuisine and maybe Thai cuisine, basil sage thyme, Italian food, French food. You know, these are familiar and approachable flavors. These are things that people can get excited about. You know, we're not we're not using very obscure spices. We're using things that people are going to want to use. So that's a, a really big part of it. And that's what we really start with. But obviously, it also has to be something that works when you use the product. It has to smell really good. It has to add flavor when you use it on your grill. So you're the scientist, not me, obviously. But do these boosters... Or should you expect as a consumer that these boosters penetrate the meat to a certain degree? Or would you say they're giving a perfuming on the exterior more than really getting up in that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and so we think about flavor in a couple of different ways. It's kind of the first is looking at the science of it. And the second is, you know, what's the consumer experience? And so in terms of the science, there's, there's two aspects to it. And it, it all starts with the smoke. You know, this is this is grilling, this is barbecuing, and and we looked into smoke science. And you know, when charcoal is burned, it releases smoke that imparts that classic barbecue flavor. That's the hallmark of grilling. A similar process happens with signature flavors, but now we've added 100% real spices to the product. You know, these spices have a unique composition compared to charcoal, and the smoke released from the spices introduces new types of flavors into the grilling experience. By adding signature flavors to your grill, you add a new unique smoke that ultimately flavors your food. And, and also there is that, that perfuming aspect that you're talking about. That's a big part of a sensory experience. When we looked into the science of flavor, we found that flavor is really the overlap of taste, aroma, and mouthfeel. And you know, people are generally familiar with the five tastes that your tongue can detect, salty, sweet, sour, bitter, umami. But what may be less common knowledge is that a lot of the nuance in flavor comes from aroma. Your nose can detect over 10,000 distinct smells. And so by burning signature flavors, you're really adding flavor to your whole grilling experience in that way. And I think the other aspect that I mentioned is what is the consumer experiencing? A key part of how we develop these products, something that's really new like this especially, is we send out hundreds of bags of products to intermediate and advanced grillers all across the country. We really want to know if they're happy with the product, what their experience is like. Um, and so over 85% of the people who use the products that enhance the flavor of their food. And we got video testimonials from a large number of people. Um, I, I think of ones where someone's describing getting the nuances of that garlic and onion paprika on a chicken breast they just cooked. Mm. Or someone who had um, their neighbor knock on their front door asking what smells so good but they hadn't added food to the grill yet. The aromas from these briquettes will fill your backyard. When we're, we're testing these, we have an outdoor kind of grilling area. You can smell it 50 yards away, you know, so it smells really good. It's almost like it's an appetizer uh, for the meal you're about to grill. So is a cumin smoke or a basil smoke or a garlic smoke at all similar to me biting into a clove of garlic or are we just 
using the term garlic or cumin and basil just in a descriptor sense? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, we use 100% real spices, and you can really the aromas that you smell are really distinct. You can really tell tell that those ingredients there. And we you know we use sensory panels. We get into sensory science. We have experts who are like picking out these aromas and describing them in detail. Um, in terms of the taste, you know, it's going to, it's going to burn. It's going to change a little bit. It's going to modify that smoke. So you have that aroma that provides that distinct kind of high note. And you have that, that modified smoke where the garlic is penetrating that smoke and changing it and flavoring your meat in that way as well. Best practices on how to use them. Right. So we've got three product forms, um, all of them available nationwide right now. The first is pellets. Um, these are made with 100% hardwood and 100% real spices, and you can use them as you'd use any other pellets. You could use them in any pellet grill, including a Traeger or Pit Boss, and they work well there. Um, our second product form is our Flavor Booster Briquettes, and this is really the kind of the new innovation. Um, we have uh, patent pending. We actually found out last week it was approved, so there's a couple steps left. I'm not a patent lawyer, so I don't know the exact details, but I'm very confident it will be finalized soon. Um, and these come in a two-pound bag. Um, and these are briquettes that I like to compare it to how you use wood chips or chunks. So they're not meant to be the main fuel source. To cook your food, you add it onto a grill that has regular charcoal to add that next layer of flavor to your recipe. That's one other thing I want to mention. When you're using these, you want to kind of prepare your food as you normally would. You're going to want to salt it. If you use dry rubs or mayonnaise, you'll want to use that as well. And you can kind of get creative and pair it with the signature flavors version that you're using at the time. I like to think about a best recipe as something that's going to have multiple layers of flavor, that's going to add complexity and nuance, but still being balanced. And signature flavors are another layer of flavor in that recipe. Um, and so the third product form we have is a pre-blended bag that has regular charcoal as well as the flavor booster briquettes designed to be simple and easier to use, maybe for someone who's a little more on the beginner side for grilling. Use that as you'd use any other bag of charcoal. The difference is that when you're using it, you'll get that aroma, you'll get that flavor from these new flavor booster briquettes. Would you have a 20-pound bag of just flavor and use to cook on that, or will that overpower? Actually, so these are designed in a specific way to control how they burn. And that's really what our patent is around. It's patenting the formulation for time-release flavor. And so we've specifically formulated it to burn differently to make that flavor as prominent as we can. Mm. You, you really need um, regular charcoal that's really designed to light quickly, burn hot, and burn long. Um, if you try to dump lighter fluid all over the flavor booster briquettes, um, they might not light. You want them to burn at a lower temperature, and that's really intentional. You really need to use both together. Um, and so that's part of the fun also. You can be creative with how many you use. Our recommendation for a typical cook is six to eight of the flavor booster briquettes. But, you know, when I'm testing it, I've, I've built a whole mountain out of them, and it produced a lot of smoke. And, you know, you've got to think about smoke as kind of a, an ingredient in your recipe as well. Yeah. Um, it depends on personal taste. It depends on the type of wood. There is such a thing as too much smoke flavor, depending on what your preference is. Uh, Greg, I don't know how much you're able to, to talk on this portion, but when it comes to the Kingsford blue bag, are there portions mm -hmm. that the company continues to evaluate 
maybe from a process point or a raw ingredient standpoint, that can continue to be improved on? Or is it one of those, mm-hmm. hey, it's not broke, so we're not going to try and fix it? Oh, we're constantly trying to innovate and improve our regular blue bag. Um, we, we constantly change and update the formula depending on you know what raw materials are available at the time. It's really important that we make sure our quality standards are very high. Um, we have success criteria for burn performance, you know, how fast it lights, how long it stays lit for, how hot it gets, et cetera. And that's really our goal there. We need to meet that criteria at all times. But we're also doing other things like looking at um, alternate materials that might be more sustainable. We're looking at um, different shapes that might burn more effectively. So you'll have to use less charcoal per cook. Um, constantly thinking about new ideas along those lines to try and improve the product. So while it is uh, something that's been around for over 100 years, there's a couple other competitors out there and we always want to stay ahead. The refrain from Kingsford devotees is their love of the consistency of the product. Mm -hmm. What are the keys to keeping it so consistent if it is on a continual update basis? I'd say the key to it is plants that are really, really well run with great people that are coming in every day and doing their best to make this a really good product. And that in combination with some of the really state-of-the-art equipment we have in our R&D labs, we are constantly getting samples from our plants, testing burn performance in a very specific way, comparing that to our competitors. We, we regularly get samples from all across the country, from all of our competitors and all of our plants to make sure that each one, each location is performing in a top-notch way and is still outpacing our competitors to make sure that Kingsford remains the market leader there. If you are somebody that loves to cook on charcoal and you have been waiting to amp the flavor up a little bit, might I suggest the Signature Flavors product from Kingsford. This is Greg Meyer, the Dr. Flame, and I appreciate the insight and look into everything that's gone on to get this product to market and some of the other Kingsford talk as well. Appreciate it and continued success. Thank you so much. You got it. There he is, Greg Meyer, Dr. Flame, right there. The lead. Whoa, wait. All right, I guess we're going to head out. The senior scientist for the Kingsford Research and Development Arm, kingsford.com, is the website, of course. And again, the signature flavors coming in garlic, onion, paprika, or cumin and chili, or basil, sage, and thyme. Check them out. Let me know what you think. All the way back in the first hour, we let off with Rusty Monson, Salt City Barbecue, talking about his trailer. And then we also had a conversation with David Parrish, the creator of Slow and Sear. Now they have grills, both kettle style and ceramic cookers, to fit that Slow and Sear product in. They have other products as well. They have not been solicited to sell yet. So let's go ahead write down this date 329 2022 and see if something happens before the end of the year as the buy continues to be on in a lot of different ways from a transaction standpoint where other companies are buying other companies remember grilla grills just sold recently to aob a week or two ago then in the second hour first time guest mark puente from puentes tijuana tacos puente TijuanaTaco.com, the website. If you're going to be here in Ohio, check out the events. 
Let me know if you're going to be around to check out an event, and I'll meet you there if I can. And closing out the show, Greg Dr. Flame Meyer from Kingsford, the senior scientist there in the research and development arm, talking about Kingsford signature flavors that you can get right now. They are in pellet form. They're in a smaller two-pound bag, and then they are in a charcoal-slash-flavor booster mixed bag in order for it to burn and flavor properly. So as I just said a couple minutes ago, go grab a bag and let me know what you think if you're into that. Big show planned for you next week. We turn to a new month. Sam the Cooking Guy will be here. Malcolm Reed will be here, amongst others. Don't forget the end of next month or this coming month. Season 3 of American Idol Barbecue Central Show Edition will start as well with Jose Arquiza sitting in as the guest judge. Plenty planned for you in the coming weeks. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Yo, pot! This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Pop!